This is Nikita Khrushchev flying to America in 1959, thinking about the revolution so far, and on the whole being pretty satisfied with where things have got to. Such a long journey. Such a long way travelled, he thought, since he had been a quick kid himself. The kid on the coal field with the homemade motorbike, and three gold roubles in his pocket on a Friday, and the fluffy white duck-down hair. That hadn't lasted long. Such a long journey to this point in time for the whole country, and none of it easy, none of it achieved without cost. No one gave us this beautiful plane. We built it ourselves. We pulled it out of nothing by our determination and our strength. They tried to crush us over and over again, but we wouldn't be crushed. We drove off the whites. We winkled out the priests, out of the churches, more important, out of people's minds. We got rid of the shopkeepers, thieving bastards, getting their dirty fingers in every deal making every straight thing crooked. We dragged the farmers into the 20th century, and that was hard. That was a cruel business, and there were some hungry years there, but it had to be done. We had to get the muck off our boots. We realised there were saboteurs and enemies among us, and we caught them, but it drove us mad for a while, and for a while we were seeing enemies and saboteurs everywhere, and hurting people who were brothers, sisters, good friends, honest comrades. And then the fascists came, and stamping on them was bloody. Nobody could call what we did then sweetness and light. Wreckage everywhere. But what are you going to do when a gang of murderers breaks into the house? And the boss didn't help much. Wonderful clear mind, but by that time he was frankly screwy, moving whole nations round the map like chess pieces, making us sit up all night with him and drink that filthy vodka until we couldn't see straight, and always watching us. No... I don't deny we went wrong. In fact, if you recall, it was me that said so. But all the while we were building, all the while we were building factories and mines and railroads and roads and towns and cities, and all without any help, all without getting the say-so from any millionaire or big shot, we did that. We taught people to read. We taught them to love culture. We sent tens of millions of them to school and millions of them to college so that they could have the advantages we never had. We created the boys and girls who are young now. We did the dirty work so they could inherit a clean world. And now was the time when it all paid off, he thought. The wars were over, the enemies were gone, the mistakes were rectified. 42 years since the revolution and at last the pattern of the new society was established. All the young people had known no other way of living. They had never seen a rich man going past in his carriage. They had never seen a private shop. And so, at last, it was becoming possible to make good on all the promises which they'd fed to people during the hungry years. All well and good, he thought, because we really meant them. We weren't trying to hoodwink anyone, but there's a limit to how long you can keep going on that kind of diet. You can't make soup out of promises. Some comrades seemed to think that fine words and fine ideas were all the world would ever require, that pure enthusiasm would carry humanity forward to happiness. Well, excuse me, comrades, but aren't we supposed to be materialists? Aren't we supposed to be the ones who get along without fairy tales? If communism couldn't give people a better life than capitalism, he personally couldn't see the point. A better life in a straightforward, practical way. Better food, better clothes, better houses, better cars, better planes like this one. Better football games to watch and cards to play and beaches to sit on in the summertime with the children splashing about in the surf and a nice bottle of something cold to sip. More money to spend or 
else, more of a world in which money was no longer necessary to ration out the good things, because there were so many good things, all gushing out of the, 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 the whatchamacallit, the, the thing like a cone spilling over with fruit, the horn of plenty. Fortunately, the hard part of the task was nearly done. They had almost completed the heavy lifting. They had heaved and shoved and, yes, driven people on with kicks and curses. And they had built the basis for the good life, their very own horn of plenty, pouring forth the necessary steel and coal and electricity. They had done the big stuff. All that remained was to get the small stuff right. It was time to use what they had built to make life a pleasure instead of a struggle. They could do it. If they could produce a million tons of steel, they could produce a million tons of anything. They just had to concentrate on directing their horn of plenty so that, as well as spitting out girders, it now also overflowed with musical boxes. Now the sacrifices ended. Now came the age of cream and dumplings. The old dream of a feast that never had to end, but truly delivered, delivered in sober daylight by science. <laughs>